You're listening to the podcast, So You Want to Be a Writer, with Valerie Koo and Allison Tate. Valerie is an author, journalist, and national director of the Australian Writers Centre, which is one of the world's leading providers of online and classroom courses for people who want to get published and write with confidence. Alison Tate is a freelance writer, blogger, and author of the best-selling series, The Mapmaker Chronicles. She has more than 20 years' professional writing experience. Each week, they explore the world of writing, publishing, and blogging to bring you news and opportunities, advice on how to succeed in the world of writing, interviews with top writers, and much more. With students enrolling from all over the world, you can find out more about the Australian Writer Centre at writercentre.com.au. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 179 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm here with A.L. Tate. <laughs> A dot L dot. My friends, call me, dot. my friends call me A dot L dot, you know, when they're trying to wind me up, which is, um. oh Hi, Val. <laughs> otherwise known as Alison Tate. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, otherwise known as Valerie Koo. Yes, that's right. Right. How are so you now that we've week? established how everyone is, um, I, I'm very well, thanks, Valerie. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm here. We're chatting, and that's always a good thing. What's been happening in the world of A L T? I'm going to say <laughs> it like that from that. now on. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's been happening? Uh, just lots of, you know, writing and stuff, Val. You know, as as I do, a bit of writing every once in a while. I try to get to a bit of writing. <laughs> yes. I understand. In my busy, busy life. But, um, no, it's going very well. I've, I'm working, I think we talked about in the last episode how I'm sort of reworking the, a manuscript that I've been work that I had, you know, and I had to re- I had to start again. So I've done that and um, I'm just, you know, working through that one word at a time, which is pretty mm-hmm. much the only way to work through anything yeah. word at I a time. So. Yeah. It's a what sad, it's, What have I been doing? So mm. we had a flood and a water pipe burst and mm-hmm. we had a flood in the office which meant we had to move everything out, recarpet, you know, get water extraction people, move everything back in and the only way that you get that fixed is one item at a time. Yeah. <laughs> so wow. So it, I have this game called pick up put down. <laughs> so you have to pick something up. Right. And you're not allowed to put it down until you put it in its final resting place. Whether that's the bin or the bookshelf or the or your desk or a drawer or whatever. And that avoids all the shuffling because otherwise mm-hmm. you could shuffle for days. Mm. You can just move things from one table to the other side of the table. Is this a game that you just play it. with yourself or have you actually made your entire office play this game? <laughs> Just out of interest. I generally play it with myself because it's the game I play with myself at home when I'm tidying up. But I did share this approach with right. everyone else in my office in case they would find it useful as well. Not entirely sure they found it useful. In fact, I think they just thought I was a bit weird. But, mm. hey, I find it effective, so that's what matters. You're such a fun boss. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you making a game of it. All right, let's move on. We have a shout-out to Verity. Verity has left us a review in iTunes and she has called it motivating with an exclamation mark. And Verity says, as an aspiring author, I love how Al and Val talk about when you publish and not if. I always feel positive about my writing and that, yes, it is possible. 
I need to just keep writing. Exactly. You sound like exactly. Dory. Go Verity. Is it, is it Dory? She says just keep Just keep swimming. swimming. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Just keep writing. Maybe yes, we need some exactly. T-shirts. Just keep writing. Yes. Thank you so much, Verity. We really appreciate it. And, of course, if any other listeners have 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, we'd really be grateful. We would. All right. This particular episode is a mini-sode, which is what we drop in between our regular programming. And in we our do. mini-sodes, we answer listener questions and sometimes have mini-interviews as well. Now, our listener questions, if you want us to answer it, one of your questions about writing or publishing, then please do email your question to us, podcast at writercenter.com.au. So email podcast at writerscentre.com.au. So this week, our listener questions are, we have a question that says, Hi, Val and Al. I was just wondering why publishers don't like rhyming picture books when so many of the most popular children's books do in fact rhyme. For example, Nick Bland and Aaron Belaby. Is it just related to the difficulty in translating them for other countries or something more? So Sarah has asked us this question. She's also asked us a second question, but we'll answer that one first. All right. Well, well, Sarah, yes, the reason why, it's not that they won't publish rhyming picture books because, as you have already correctly identified, they do publish rhyming picture books. But generally, for a first-time author, most publishers don't really like receiving rhyming picture books because it's very hard to get right. Mm. It's very hard to do well. That's not to say that you can't do it and, you know, it's not possible to do it. But a lot of times, and I've read a few <laughs> manuscripts, when first-time authors do rhyming picture books, they they rhyme but they don't necessarily tell a story yeah. and they 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 sound good in that you know this rhymes with that or whatever but it is it's it it is as one fiction as one children's book editor uh put it it's doggerel and you don't want to be sending doggerel which you know is kind of just poems that that aren't great quality <laughs> right Yes, to put it kindly. So it's not that they won't publish it and it's not even that they won't publish it for a first-time author, but in general they find that a lot of first-time authors who do try rhyming first as their first effort don't really get it right. There's just way more things to get right. Yeah. And so if you want to get the attention of a picture book author, it's best to start with non-rhyming, just re- yeah. a regular picture book to show that you understand the story, to understand, to to make sure you're focusing on the other important elements of a picture book so that you actually have, you know, a narrative arc. Yes, even a picture book. It's not just about, you know, a bunch of words and some pictures that go with them. You actually need all of those elements that you would in creative writing. It's just written in a you know, different kind of tone and language, obviously. Mm. Um, and then later perhaps try your your rhyming. So, and I did also consult with a couple of picture book editors on this question to ensure that what my um, thoughts were were correct and they have confirmed that as well. So hopefully you find that useful. Mm. All right. So this one's for you then, Al. 
The next question from Sarah is, uh, this is a bit sneaky, (laughs) but maybe if you're addressing my first question, you could tack in a bit of information on how we crack it as a new writer in picture books when so many publishers state in their submission guidelines that they are not accepting picture books. Uh There you go. Interesting. Well, it is a difficult, I have to say, it is a difficult area to crack picture books. And the, the one of the main reasons for that is that everyone thinks they can write a picture book. Like, honestly, like I, the number of people that I've spoken to that are just like, oh yeah, you know, I'm just going to knock out a picture book because, you know, they're only four or 500 words maximum. And so people think they're easy, um, which is one of the reasons I think publishers close their books because there's a couple of reasons. They're really expensive to produce on, from a publisher's yeah, really perspective. Expensive very expensive to produce and they tend to get absolutely swamped with submissions because everyone thinks they can write one which is why they close their books because they don't publish that many on a you know on an annual basis most publishers are probably bringing out maybe 10 or 12 picture books a year, if you're lucky. Um, so, you know, they're not going to necessarily, like, and, and then, but they're probably receiving 500 submissions, you know, a month yeah. from people who think that they can. So it's just an awful lot for them to trawl through. So they will close their books for a while till they work through the, the pile, which they will read. They do read them all. Um, and so, and then, you know, they'll open them up again. And it's worth keeping an eye out for those all those windows. Um, so how do you get into them if you don't have, um, you know, when they're saying they're not accepting? Two, two ways, three ways actually now that I think about it. First mm. way is to get yourself an agent. Um, agents mm. always bypass any closed books that a publisher might have. You know, they might be closing to general submissions but they will always have a look at something that an agent sends them and says, you are really going to like this. They will always read that. So an agent is is one way to, to get yourself, you know, behind the closed doors. Um, now, finding an agent to represent a picture book can be almost as difficult as finding a publisher mm-hmm. um, to open their doors for a picture book. But, you know, they are out there. And, you know, all I can suggest is research, research, research is the best way forward. Um, now, the second way that you can get yourself in behind those doors is to have a look at some of the submission windows that every publisher at the moment seems to be having. So they have their pitch sessions. Walker Books, for instance, who is one of Australia's biggest children's book uh, publishers, is takes submissions on Wednesdays. Now, I don't actually have, you know, complete and utter, I'm not totally across the guidelines for that particular um, day, that Walker Wednesday. Um, so I'm not sure if they take picture book um, exactly, but it's worth having a look at the various options available to you with yeah. those pitch sessions. Read the guidelines and have a look at what they are accepting and what they aren't accepting. Um, and keep an eye out at it because they change. Like this is the other thing. People go, oh, you know, they're not accepting picture books. Well, that may have been the case in February, but it's not necessarily the case in September. So exactly. you have to visit exactly. regularly. You have to keep an eye on it. Yes. Because they might only not accept it for three months or whatever. So you do need to revisit it. Yeah, exactly. People just think, oh, everyone's got their doors closed all the time, which is not true. So revisit and definitely have a look at those uh, pitch you know, submission sections because uh, and the diff- they have different days. Alan and Unwin does Fridays. I'm not sure if they take children's books. It just like uh, all I'm saying is I, I'm not because, I, you know, I don't know every guideline for every publisher off the top of my head. So you do have to have a look yourself, but those options are there. So um, see what's available to you. And the third option I would say to you is to have a look at some of the various conferences and writers um, uh, festivals that are available, like Kid Lit Victoria, for instance, which was just recently on. They they offer uh, 
pitching sessions to publishers face-to-face. Mm. So if you um, sign up for the various pitching sessions at some of these, like all, if you read, again, it's about sort of being across the different things that are available to you. Have a look for writers' conferences or festivals for children's literature and then see what they're offering. Like I know that the um, – so Kidlit Victoria definitely offers um, – publishers pitch sessions the cya conference which i think is on in brisbane in next month or the month after definitely offers pitch sessions um i know that uh i think when squibby has their conference they offer pitch sessions i think yep. that so there's 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 quite a few different ones that do offer pitch sessions this is your opportunity to speak directly to a publisher yep. to pitch your book um, so, you know, that's another way that you can, you know, get yourself in front of a publisher with your picture book. Now, I would suggest to you that you make sure that your picture book is the best it can possibly be before you even attempt something like this. And I would say that, you know, I have to say that Kathy Tasker, who who teaches the Australian Writers' Centre's picture book course, is incredible. Like, she's amazing. She was a judge on all of the CBCA awards for years and years and years. She knows what she's talking about. Um, it's definitely worth doing a course to make sure that what you're doing is a picture book and yes. is not just a rhyming poem or a um, – and you know why I say this to you? Because I've written three picture books and everyone that I've shown them to has said to me, the writing is amazing, Alison, but these are anecdotes. They are not stories. Mm. Now, they're not easy to get right is, you know, they're not mm. easy to get right. And so it is something that you definitely need to make sure that what you're presenting is a picture book, is yep. a story, is a narrative arc. Um, and that's something that I would um, really highly recommend is that you do some kind of a course to make sure that what you're doing is definitely a picture book. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you're so right that there's actually more to it than you think because there is. There is so much more. Once you do the course, you realise that there are all of these conventions and rules and expectations mm. that um, you need to fulfil or else the publisher isn't going to be interested in it. So yeah. have a look at the course at writerscentre.com.au slash picturebooks. That write, that's writerscentre.com.au slash picturebooks. Now, we have a question from Beck, and Beck has said, uh, Hi, Val and Al. Firstly, thank you so much for your podcast. I was living in very remote North Queensland when I found your podcast and the content along with the friendly hosts helped me feel a little more connected to the real world in what would have been a very lonely time without it. Oh, wow. That's kind yeah. of, that's nice. I'm glad yes. we could help. Uh, Beck continues, I did have a question I was hoping to get some of your advice on. So far, I've completed two first draft manuscripts. I find when I am writing them, everything is going great. I have a fantastic time and feel like what I am writing is genuinely good. However, when it comes to editing and reading over that work, I barely get past the first page as I spend the whole time cringing and wondering how on earth I thought this was any good in the first place. Do you have any tips on getting over this so I can get on and edit the damn thing? <laughs> right. All right. Well, well what are you going to suggest? I think that, Beck, if you feel that when you <laughs> read your first page, you end up cringing and wondering how on earth this was any good in the first place, uh, I think that, you know what, if this is useful to you, set that expectation. 
actually expect that what you spew out in your first draft isn't going to be great. But you know what? Getting a whole first draft out is actually pretty pretty good. Mm, yeah. Many people never even get the entire first draft out. They they start, but they never finish. So the fact that you finished is great. But set that expectation. You know what? It's not going to be great and it's going to ha- have a lot of work. And in fact, think to yourself that this is actually when the work starts. The mm. work starts when you start reviewing it again after you've spewed out the first draft. And and that imagine that it's actually, you know, you're only 10, just whatever works for you, but sort of put in your head, okay, after my first draft, I'm only 10% done. In fact, my other 90% is going to be reviewing and and editing and, and in some cases rewriting or restructuring or whatever and just set that expectation that this is part of your creative process and that you're actually going to be working with something that is not great but you're, the next step is you're going to turn it into something good. So that's just my two cents but how about you, Al? I think that's a that's very good advice. I, th- I think it's worth remembering that I think – Ernest Hemingway is attributed with this quote, whether it's actually him or not. But, you know, basically the first draft of anything is crap and he didn't mm. use the word crap. Um, he said the and, S word. And everybody says, you know, like and everyone goes, oh, I know my first draft is crap. But they, they sort of somehow don't really believe it. They think that what they've really written is amazing and it's actually <laughs> not. I mean, like honestly, I've done so many first drafts and I, and I know, I know. Um, and, you know, the other thing to remember too is like I, I, as I, I think we've discussed many times, I lop the first 3,000 words off pretty yeah. much every book I ever write because I yeah. start in the wrong place and all that stuff. So yeah. what we need to do um, at this point, Beck, is just press forward. You just have to press forward. You have to remember that every single author who reads their own work, particularly a first draft, is, is sitting there full of doubt thinking, I cannot believe that this came out of my head. What was I thinking? Every single person, every author has this feeling. You are not alone on any level. Now, what I would, I I probably want to say two things. I hope that you are leaving a nice gap between writing the end and starting again because the only way you can view your own work with any sort of objectivity is if you're reading it as though it was written by someone else. That's really important. Like, And I know, again, everyone says, oh, you've got to put it in a drawer and it's really hard to do that, particularly when you're in that first kind of like you just want to get your first book published and you're in that really impatient. It's really – I understand that feeling of impatience. But publishing is a hurry up and wait kind of industry. And I I can't emphasize this enough. You will spend so much time sitting around waiting for things to happen. So you write your manuscript, you put it in a drawer, you start something else, you work on something else. You come back to your manuscript after a minimum of three months when you've had enough time to forget what you wrote. Then you sit down with it, with your red pen or whatever it is you're going to do. And the first thing that you do is you read through the entire manuscript without doing anything, okay? It's really important that you have a read. Read it out loud. This is, what I, this is when I read out loud to my children. I mean, I'm writing children's fiction, so I can. I would probably not read them a murder mystery. But I read out loud to my children, and I read the whole thing through. And what I might do is mark where I think it sounds clunky when I'm reading it, you know, like you'll mark a sentence. But I'm not doing anything. I'm not changing stuff. I'm just putting a question mark. I'm putting a post-it note. I'm just making a note that there's something on that page that needs to be looked at. And then I go back and I start the editing process, um, having read the whole thing out loud. And I look at it um, 
quite objectively and I'm like, you know what, Alison, you've started in the wrong place and out goes 3,000 words. Because if you if you start your story in the wrong place, then the whole narrative arc is really, really hard to find. So mm. we do that and we go back at that point and then we edit. And you edit it as though it's someone else's work. And you know what I find is really interesting? Yes, there's a whole lot of absolute and utter, let's insert your word of choice right there. Um <laughs> On the page, but I am also, and you will be too, if you can manage to get yourself past your first two paragraphs, pleasantly surprised by some of the stuff. And it reads to me like someone else wrote it. And I've written blog posts about this. I've written, you know, it's called, it's like, it's like you've taken someone else's story and it's just appeared on the page and you can't even remember writing it. And there it is, you know? So you have to allow yourself to get to that place. So you need the time between the first draft and the edit. You need to read it out loud so that you can hear what it all sounds like. And then you go back and you get your pen and you do your stuff at that point. And that is the way that you can come to your edit as though, and and get the edit finished. Mm. But you need the space. You you can't do it straight away. Like it's just impossible because you've got too much of it in your head still. Definitely. Definitely. And I would also suggest that give yourself some targets or some timelines, like you're going to do this chapter on this week or however many words on this day or whatever, but some kind of structure so that you have something to work towards so Mm. that it doesn't just go on forever. Mm. All right. Well, they're our listener questions for this week. We don't have a mini interview this week, but we hope you have found these questions useful. Remember, (laughs) if you have a question for us, then email us, podcast at writercentre.com.au. That's our mini-sode for this week. Where do we find you online, Al? Uh, you'll find me at alisontait.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T.com. You will find me on Twitter at, at Al Tate, A-L-T-A-I-T. And you will find me on Facebook and Instagram. I'm <laughs> just thinking, where else am I? At <laughs> Alison Tate Writer. And you know what? If you would like to get all of my news first without having yes. to wait for podcasts, you should sign up for my newsletter and it goes out monthly. I'm thinking about maybe giving away a signed copy of the proof edition of the Book of oh. Secrets. Yes, it's oh. probably – I've just – I've only got two, so I'm kind of – it's it's one of those things where I'm weighing it up. But, um, yeah, that's my – Will you give think, it away that, early? That'll be my next um, – I'm not sure. I haven't decided. Mm. This is the whole thing, you know, like you get to sit here and you get to think, hmm, what will I do next? It's a little bit like writing your own story, isn't it? Yes. What will I do next? What happens next, Al? I'm not Exciting. sure. <laughs> All right, you? wonderful. What are you doing? What am I doing? So many things, all the things, playing pick up, put down. Of course you are. And then, you know what? I think we're all going to be busy playing that this week, aren't we, team? Yes. I can't wait. Pick up, yes. put down. All right. You can find images potentially of pick up, put down at Valerie Koo uh, <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter. And, of course, feel free to connect with me on Facebook. And Thanks. if you want to share photos of yourself playing Val's <laughs> an exciting game, pick up, put down, then please share them with us because we love that stuff. Hashtag pick up, put down. All right. <laughs> the show notes, of course, are at so you want to be a writer.com.au. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. And we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writerscentre.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentre.com.au slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more. 